and Chris Emke. And you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Guys, today we're going to be talking to an actual chemist. Man, it's crazy to think about this, Paul. <laughs> when we had uh, Randy Harmeca from Extrogy Performance on, and you were saying, man, I think it's crazy. There's no chemist that listened to us. And then come to find out a couple weeks later, a chemist from Australia, well, from the U.S. in Australia, reaches out and says, hey, I'm a chemist and I listen to you guys. Yeah. Go figure. Blown away. So some smart people listen to yeah. us. Yeah. Thank you, smart people. Take that, my wife. Yeah. Um, and, and, and my boss. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> uh, we're really excited to get you guys to that. Uh, Chris, this is going to be the last last possible opportunity somebody has to save 100 bucks on their EFI Live or Easy Link switch on the fly tuning. What trucks is that going to cover? Man, I, I think it, it, it covers a wide range of vehicles that we do over at Calibrated Power. So if you have an 01 to 16 Duramax, um, if you have a, a 2013 to 2019 Ford, um, or if you have a, an 06 to 2021 Ram, we can get you covered and save you $100. So throughout the month of April, we're doing $100 off. If you have any questions, feel free to give us a call at the shop. We'd be more than happy to help. Absolutely. Uh, hey, guys, without any further ado, let's jump in and hear Chris and I talk to somebody smart, much, much smarter, much smarter than, than you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hit it. <laughs> Clinton Meyer, how the hell are you? Doing well, Paul. How the hell are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for asking. Man, that's the first time someone asked you back. It, it's it's rare. We get one or two yeah. here and there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some that's people care. Slick. Some people care. It's a Midwest thing. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, Clinton Meyer, of course, from the Midwest, currently located uh, out there in Australia. Uh, but we wanted to talk to you today to get an insider kind of industry Hold perspective. On. Let, 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 let's break this down. Oh. A month ago, you said that there are no chemists that listen <laughs> to us on a show that we had with Randy Harmeca from Exergy. And here we are a month and a half later with Clinton Meyer, who is a freaking chemist. And he reached out to us on the podcast saying, hey, I, I, you do have someone that is knowledgeable and smarter than you that listens to you. Well, that I mean, yeah. Well, that's we have wild. a chemist. That's the part that was surprising. Smarter than yeah. me and listens to us is pretty much most of our listeners. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, no. He has so the credentials. That that is totally correct. Yeah. So we have we have somebody who who actually has that like real expertise knowledge, and is not connected to any company as a part of this this uh, discussion. Just here to kind of educate us a little bit more about diesel fuel. And the chemistry uh, about how the science actually works that goes behind some of these diesel additives and different diesel uh, fuel options out there. But, of course, hey, w with everybody, we start off the same way. Clinton, tell us, how did you get your start in diesel performance? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I've been a huge fan of, of the show for a while, and uh, I appreciate all the insight that you guys are providing, all the listeners, all of the fans of, of diesel performance. I got my start um, in diesel, I guess, coming off the background of my automotive background. Uh, my father had a, a workshop and a salvage yard for nearly two decades. And uh, I wanted to be a bit different. There was a huge following of everyone, Ellis swapping everything. And I was like, you know, there's got to be something that can be done differently and still get great performance. And so I fell into uh, the diesel crew of, of people running around. I had a couple friends who had, you know, triple and 
twin turbo Cummins and Duramax stuff. But uh, I ended up building uh, an old 7.3. I ended up building two of them. I had a, a Mark IV Jetta and a Cruze as well. So uh, I don't have a project at the moment, but I needed to get one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Starting off with, with some real workhorses there. I mean, the, yeah. the 7.3, we all know. Cringed. There's a few people out there who have gone fast. I found out I can't say seven threes can't go fast. No, seven three. I mean, word. they can. Seven threes could be in. You have the displacement there. Like right. you, you have, you have and, the blueprint. And a very few people have ever done it. And they're and they're awesome for doing yeah. it. Um, and, and then, then there was you banging gears in your old uh, banging gears. OBS. Yeah, working yep. it. Yep. Unloaded three minutes a day of. But driving. then he said he had a TDI. <laughs> TDI, a TDI, and then you perked up. I, I, I'm about it. Chris was like, "All right, I'm I'm back in." You <laughs> son of a bitch. Nice. <laughs> and then the cruise. Yeah, um, some of the the older older school stuff, and like my seven three built. I was almost at the stage two level across the board. Um, my engine builder, uh, Midwest Performance Diesel, it had me around the 550 horsepower mark which was plenty for what i was doing oh yeah that's a high water hauling, mark uh, those. hauling a triple axle gooseneck trailer and stuff but um yeah I've, i used to have all of that and uh now I'm on the other side of the planet can't really take it with me and uh everyone's driving on the wrong side of the road here <laughs> <laughs> well well let's let's give our listeners a little bit of insight on that how'd you go from a kid in a junkyard messing around with seven threes to working in chemistry and knowing about diesel fuel and diesel fuel additives working on the other side of the world yeah good question so um i got my start straight out of college um working for a automotive chemical company uh, called bg products bg makes specialty fluids and chemicals Basically, anything that's liquid and goes in a vehicle, they make. So they they make finished engine oils and gear oils and uh, specialty uh, specialty products for uh, all of the systems, all the liquid systems in, in vehicles. Um, I started with them straight out of college because I had a, pa- a passion for anything with an engine. And... But I graduated with degrees in chem and biochem, so I had to figure out how to put the two together. Hmm. And that's how I came across them. And during my time with them, I got to be involved in the manufacturing process, a bit of research and development, uh, also technical service. So they're, they're a global company um, located in Wichita, Kansas. And I've been with them for about seven years now. So they had an opportunity uh, here in Australia and I wasn't married and didn't have any extra, what would you call it? Uh, things holding me back, so to speak. So kids, they're called kids. It. Oh yes. those. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, well the, the opportunity arose. So, uh, just, uh, the, the challenge and I'm out here helping out the Australian division but working with BG was has been an awesome experience the people are great um, I've got to go to uh, the Detroit Auto Show 
um, as a rep for them. I got to go to SEMA and APEX, uh, the Society of Automotive Engineers World Congress, things that hold high marks in uh, the manufacturing world for automotive and, uh, in our case, uh, diesel as well. Yeah, and, and, and that's such a cool cool kind of story about, like, oh, man, I grew up, like, you know, messing around with some of this, like, very budget conscious type of projects and things like that well, depending on the year that he was working on it yeah that was truth, time. truth um but th- but then you you start to progress and and as you start to get into your career and you're going around to places like SEMA and apex and all of these other shows you're also seeing the top end of where people have gone with diesel and the crazy things people are doing with diesel um as you start to put about talk about putting this chemistry together i thought it'd be kind of a good idea to start with just diesel fuel in general so when i buy diesel fuel from one fuel from one gas station or another from from a chemist point of view is there any difference like i know we talk we've talked about go to the same station all the time yeah because you'll get more consistent results is that a myth is that just an old wives tale or is there an actual scientific difference in the quality of fuel well it it definitely depends on who your fuel retailer is Um, Across the U.S., yeah, the quality can can vary quite drastically, actually. Um, and who their supplier is has a big impact on that. The the state uh, legislation also plays a role. For example, um, California, with uh, all of their emissions legislation that they seem to lead the way with. Um, they have a mandate for higher cetane requirements for all of their fuel. It's the highest requirement of all the states in the U.S. Texas has a, a high cetane requirement as well. It's not as high as California, but it's much higher than the minimum national standard, which is 40. So. Every, everyone has to meet the minimum in that regard for that particular aspect of the fuel, but it doesn't mean you can't you can't do better. Okay. So other that... other aspects of the diesel fuel that we want to take into account are uh, the the bio content. For example, uh, Minnesota they mandate that you have to use B twenty. All of the retail sales for diesel make use of B20 and uh, Washington, they mandated uh, a B2. So all the diesel fuel in Washington has to be at least 2% bio. Things like that, I don't think many people actually know when they're going to the pump, filling up their fuel. Well, let's be real. I'm not sure how great of a handle most, most people have on just what biodiesel is. Uh, Chris, if I say biodiesel, do you immediately think of French fry oil? No. I think of part of it, bio being recycled. Okay. Well, like, it, it is. I mean, French fry yeah. oil, like, it is recycled, right? But, but yeah, no, I, I always think of the guys who, who are talking about <laughs> going in and collecting all of the vegetable oil or, or, you know, French fry oil grease and and whatever, cooking it down in their shed into biodiesel. But I do notice at the pump every time, because I, 
I do also I'm a creature of habit. I go to the same two fuel stations. Yeah. Uh, and I noticed there is a difference in the their rating of how much biodiesel is in there. Can be, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what is biodiesel and the difference of 2% and 20%? Like, what does that mean to me as the consumer? Well, well, Chris, you're 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 onto it. Yeah, it's it's a, a portion of of recycled material that we're finding a new use for. Um, so, for example, uh, a lot of soybean uh, mash um, that's used for human consumption. About eighty percent of that uh, that mash gets used in uh, food processing or has has use because of the protein content. And then a lot of the leftover oil um, that he has found a new new use or uh, a new course on life being blent into the fuel. Okay. So there's a couple of aspects why they do that. It, it helps with some greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, bio content actually adds a lot of lubricity to the fuel. And it, it will help with costs as well. So, yeah, there's a, a bit of uh, recycling going on. Um, but we've found a lot of uh, positive outcomes without being too, you know, green, so to speak. Like, I, I know we're all all big fans of, of big engines and turbos, you know, spinning up and and rolling smoke down, <laughs> down the track at a big event. But uh, for our everyday drivers, uh, it's, it's important that we, we find a good healthy balance between energy and cost and recycling. So one of the questions, uh, you know, you read about a lot, and I think some of this kind of pinpoints to some of the Bosch CP4 stuff, okay? And they talk about the U.S. grade of quality, you know, the the U.S. quality grade of fuel versus anywhere else in the country. What are the differences? Like, what, what am I seeing as far as what kind of diesel we use here in the U.S. or like here in Illinois, for example, versus diesel in Australia or New Zealand or, you know, uh, in Europe or anything like that. What is that difference? Oh, yeah. I I, uh, I saw a couple of those uh, technical service bulletins that come across where the pumps were failing in other parts of the world because of the low quality of, of fuel and or the um, – I think there are also – linking it to the bit of lack of sulfur in the fuel that aids in lubricity as well. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah. So the U S has great quality fuel. They're, they're just second behind Europe. And as, as far as the standards go, Australia has pretty low standards and in specifically in regard the, the, the quality of fuel standards in the U.S. are quite high because they're demanding additional requirements for lubricity. We're requiring additional uh, cleanliness as far as what water content is allowed, what particle content is allowed, what what's the, uh, the cetane requirements, things of that nature. So the U.S. has quite, quite good quality, uh, quite good standards for diesel fuel. Here in Australia, it's... Uh, <laughs> it, it needs to needs to be upgraded. That's interesting. You, you know, Chris, and I, I want to jump in here because I think one of the things that's easy to overlook is like I, 
when we first started digging into fuel additives, yeah. of course we had to talk about cetane. And right. I seem to remember when we were talking about cetane, the like the Reader's Digest version is more cetane is, if I remember this correctly, a little bit more power and it burns, it'll help your fuel burn cleaner. So the higher cetane rating. So it rating, has an efficient burn, a more efficient burn rating, more or less? Can you help us out on this, Clinton? Cetane like, is energy yeah, in yeah. the fuel, essentially. Right? Yeah, exactly. We, it's the, uh, the quality of, of the ignition and the quality of the burn, which is super important for our late model stuff so that we keep soot content down. We don't want to be you know, overloading our, our DPS. We don't want to be dumping a, a huge soot content load into our, our EGR systems. Gotcha. Okay, that makes total sense to me. And then, and then the biodiesel. What's the drawback? So, so you had mentioned like one state having twenty percent biodiesel content, another state having two percent. What's the Minnesota, problem? Yeah, in Washington. Yeah. Well, well everything's a trade-off. Um, you know, especially in, in the chemical world, we're we're bound by the laws of thermodynamics. Um, just as you guys are as tuners, you know, everything's a bit of a trade-back or a trade-off. There's only so much fuel you can add before you need more air and vice versa. Right. So adding bio, uh, some of the, the upsides are it can help with costs. It help can help with uh, tax purposes for the state. It can drastically improve lubricity. I think that's something that we ought to highly give some consideration to. I mean, just a 1% increase and bio content in the fuel can increase lubricity by about 30%. Oh, wow. Which I think is huge. Yeah. Now, in my opinion, from what I've seen in testing in the lab, we, we've, uh, on a regular basis, uh, BG test fuel from across the nation, especially in the wintertime when uh, everyone's worried about fuel gelling. Right. So it's important to know at what temperature the fuel is going to start gelling. Um, and it, it, it changes across the, the nation, depending on the supplier and, um, you know, what's the, uh, water content of the fuel. There's, there's a lot of factors that go into that, but, um, looking at that data, anything like a, a B2 or a B5 is, is awesome for lubricity and fuel. And there's not much gain after you get above B5 for lubricity, as far as lubricity goes. So the benefit is better lubricity. Uh, the downside is potential issues, especially in the cold. Uh, diesel or biodiesel tends to gel a bit easier. There's a bit of a energy content loss. Hmm. So there's a little bit of like a, a fuel economy loss. But uh, no one should be uh, afraid of, of running bio in any of their vehicles, any of the late model as well. Gotcha. And I, I, it's funny there because, like, as I hear increased lubricity, I translate that to better longevity. Maybe it's not, like, a perfect equation, right. but, like, there's probably some sort of correlation between those two, right? Yeah, cor- correct, correct. It's, uh, it's less, less load, less stress on our fuel system components. Absolutely, but then if I hear God, if you mutter the words "lose mileage," lose mileage, all of a sudden guys are going to be running for the hills. So, like, (laughs) if if I go twenty percent biodiesel, am I going to lose twenty percent of my fuel mileage? No, absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. I mean, are we talking tents? I mean, you guys deal with that question all the time. People are probably calling you, hey, I need a tune for a better fuel economy. Yeah. We professionally dodge that question. Yes, yeah. that is yes. correct. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, if you want good fuel economy, you should have bought a Prius. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not about that game. No. I mean, uh, you I see, mean, you, you see those types of phone calls coming in, especially in the winter months. You know, right when, you know, where we're at in Illinois, you know, summer blend versus winter blend. So you have the fuel changing, and then the temperatures dropping, and people can't wrap their head around. Temperatures are dropped. Vehicles are running at a at a lower temperature. It's taking longer to get the operating temp. The engine is not as efficient. That's where your mileage drop is is more or less coming from. You yeah. know. So there's, you know, they think that there's, you know, a magic tune, you know, or there's a magic fuel, and it, uh, the the temperature in which the engine operates under is is a big deal. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And and there's so many factors that we can't actively control because, you know, the computer in the vehicle, it gets to to have its say whether it's consuming extra fuel to warm up and get the catalyst warm, um, or during the driving cycle, you know, it gets to decide the fuel consumption. It has to do a passive regen. You know, we, we don't get to have the ultimate say, and, and you're absolutely right. There's no magic tune that always increases fuel economy to a specific amount. There's no magic fuel or additive that always increases fuel economy to a specific amount. What we can do is just try to ensure that the system is operating as it's been engineered and uh, deliver on, on the on the best power and performance that we can. I like that. I like that. I think that's putting it really simply that, but yeah, uh, we're, we're going to take what we have. We're going to do what we the right. best we can with it, right? Uh, okay, so so I think we're we, we got a pretty clear handle on what impacts MPGs. I know definitely more about standard diesel fuel out of the pump i think than i did before we started this interview um so let's let's talk a little bit more about additives now one of the things we've done chris is we've talked to a lot of guys about the idea that you don't know what additives the fuel station is already, already put adding. in the, put in there right so so in the winter blend f- right from shell or whoever um, they've already put in some sort of winter blend into their fuel. And then in summer, does that mean that they're just running no blend and they're putting no additives in it? I seriously doubt that. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that looks like from from a supplier st- stand? Yeah. From a supplier standpoint. I don't know why I couldn't get that out. Well, well first, I, I want to um, razz Chris a little bit because I think in a couple of uh, episodes past, he was very anti-additives he was very um potentially non-believer that's snake oil type of stuff is that true yeah yeah no i mean i've uh i mean i've owned diesels for 12 years um and i have a very strong belief in how i operate all my vehicles and you know i don't plug them in i don't run additive i've never really ran into gelling issues and then a couple of years ago, I did run into a gelling issue, come to find out that the fuel that I was getting from one particular station was was watered down. And I had like a like a slushy in the bottom of my tank, switched up yeah. fuel supplier, never had an issue since. But yes, the, that is a that is a safe, uh, safe thing to say about me. No, that, that's that's fine. And, and rightly so. There's a lot of people who um, who run a, a similar approach. What, what I can say is that from refinery to pipeline to terminal and 
the logistics from even terminal to the, the pump there. Additives are, are in use and protecting those systems as soon as it comes out of the refinery. So specific chemicals are used in specific areas for specific purposes, but all fuel that comes out of the, out of the refinery and out of the pump has some sort of additive in it. Um, there's several different types of diesel fuel additives. Um, I can, I'll list a few, um, corrosion inhibitors, detergents, dispersants, uh, the cold flow improvers, cetane improvers. One that we may touch on, um, later on are as a new type of chemistry called an anti wax settling agent. So we're going to keep and prevent wax from settling out in the fuel. God. I know a lot of people are familiar with uh, antifungal or antibacterial additives to help keep the diesel bug away. The lubricity improvers, um, oxidation stab stabilizers. So we want to prevent the breakdown of the fuel, especially in storage. De-icing agents are a, a sort of a, a water control type of chemistry. It's important too, that we have some chemicals in there to prevent foaming. Um, and especially with our high pressure fuel pumps, we're, we're cranking up the pressure more and more as the technology advances. It's really important that we keep uh, aeration down during a pipeline and logistical trans transport. It's important that we have a static dissipator in the fuel. So we don't have any sort of static discharge. And if you think about millions of gallons of, of fuel flowing through pipes and pumps, it can build up some static electricity and we, we don't want it to discharge in any fashion. Yeah. And, um, there's also some old technology that a lot, I get a lot of questions on, um, combustion catalysts or uh, fuel borne catalysts. Um, not many people are making use of that anymore because it, those types of uh, chemicals and additives tend to poison catalysts. Okay. It is pretty crazy to think about like how many chemicals are poured into the fuel before we actually get, get any fuel in our tank. <laughs> so what, so walk me through, right? You, you go on, you go to the store, you buy additives, right? We, well, well that's, talked, I think we're on the same question. We're, we're going here, right? into that, right? It is like, okay. So if, if the, if the OE has already put in all of this chemical into there and they don't tell me what chemicals they are, how much there are, what the chemistry, like I, I'm literally just grabbing fuel and putting it in my vehicle. Right. What's the point of ever buying another additive? They've already added everything I need to it, right? And then some. Well, we have to also understand that the, the fuel business is a business. It's not a charity. Um, you know, they need to make money at the end of the day. So they have a minimum standard that they have to meet in order to sell the, the fuel to the public. That minimum standard isn't high. I think it's actually quite lacking compared to how quickly the technology is advancing in our modern big vehicles. So if you have the opportunity to improve the quality of, of the fuel above the minimum standard for your state or your region, 
and you rely on that vehicle for your livelihood or it's a, it's a proper investment for you, it's, it's worth it all the, all every day. I mean, what's that old saying you, um, put good in, good, good out. It's the same for the fuel for your diesel truck. I like that. Okay. Uh, if I'm an uneducated, if I'm Paul Wilson, <laughs> well played. Yeah, if I'm me, uh, and I'm rolling up, there's there's two gas stations next to each other. I I, I don't really know which one is better. Do it in town. Two gas stations right down the street. One, one has apart. a lot of advertisements yeah. saying that they're better. Mm-hmm. So I go there. I've put it in my vehicle. My vehicle runs fine. Yeah. Uh, but then I'm like, I, I'm in the shelf, I, you know, I'm inside and I'm looking at the shelf and they get a bunch of different fuel additive. And there's one that just says all around best additive for diesel. And I grab it and I go pour it in my truck and, and I'm good. And like the truck runs mm-hmm. and drives, it gets, I didn't lose any fuel mileage. <laughs> um, shopping done, right? I, I mean, I, yeah. experiment over. Well, well Paul, I, I'd say doing something is better than doing nothing, even if the doing something part is a bit of a placebo for yourself. Um, as far as like fuel quality, like which station to go to, um, you've, you've probably seen at uh, a station, it lists top tier gasoline. Yeah. Have you, have you seen that before? Top tier? Uh, I don't know about the words top tier. They, they all say a bunch of shit at them, right? How about all the ones they all have? They all have little... Uh, TV screens at the gas pump now. Like, I have no idea what any words say anywhere. I don't read <laughs> okay. anything. Well, um, so so there's a program in place called Top Tier, and it started with gasoline. It's now since 2017, they have included a diesel as part of their program. So it actually requires that, that fuel retailer to have a, a slightly improved minimum standard to sell their fuel above the national standard. So if you come across or you locate a service station that sells top tier fuel, you're, you have increased performance of the, of the fuel quality because they're mandated by their, their top tier specification. So hopefully that helps give you some confidence or some insight on, okay, is my fuel retailer a top tier retailer? It's uh, it's a small improvement, but it's better than the bare minimum. Look at us digging um, out some practical yeah. consumer advice for you guys. Wow, we did. You're gonna use that, Paul? <laughs> well, I'm gonna take credit for it. Yeah, I mean, it go. doesn't matter if Clinton's sure. the one who told us about it. No. I learned it. Heard now. it here first. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Clinton. As this far is... as like the stuff you get off the shelf, brother. Um, there's. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on the market that doesn't deliver. I mean, things might say improves fuel economy or cleans injectors and uh, things like that. What what I would look for um, in a product is um, do do some of your homework first. I always encourage that. Do some homework. Does the product have any credentials from any uh, OEM uh, manufacturers? You know, has this uh, company done any work with them? Do they have any credentials for uh, quality of manufacturing? You know, we, we would rather have something 
uh, in my truck that, you know, is what it, it says it is from the manufacturing side and the quality is consistent. I personally, I, I don't want anything manufactured in China, but that's just me. I like that. Yeah, or see if it has Exergy Performance's name on it, because that's definitely a name that you can trust when it comes to your fuel additive. What a plug. I mean, if they're gonna, if you guys are going to softball them up to me like that. You no, know. I like it. <laughs> Clint- well, speaking of Exergy's, um, I, w- I have an interesting question for you guys. You was really touting the, um, the lubricity additive in the Exergy product. Um, so we can, we can dig a little bit deep into... Uh, like some of the chemistry for lubricity additives and 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 chemicals, there's there's two main types of lubricity enhancers. Um, the first one is um, what we would call a, a fatty acid or a mono acid. So I, I'm not going to dig too deep into the chemistry, so you guys don't get too lost. But um, the first type we'll, we'll call a, a mono acid and. It's really basic chemistry, um, but as the name implies, it is an acid. So we get great improvement in lubricity by using this type of chemical up to a point. So like with any additives, whether you get them off the, the shelf or it's it's coming in the fuel out of the pump, more does not always equal better. So I know there's a uh, there's people who say, oh well, I put three bottles of this, and if you look on the bottle, it says you know only add one. <laughs> it's a bit wasteful, but uh, fatty acid and mono acid technology, um, they're quite naturally occurring. They're very cost effective. Um, the downside, like we're talking about, there's always a trade off. Um, the downside is that because they are a an acid, they can react with some of the other chemicals in the fuel or cause some premature fuel breakdown. And a lot of really fine filter material. So if you guys are running, you know, five or I want to say two to five micron filtration in your fuel system, uh, you might have, you might have some premature blocking. There's some potential for that using the mono acid technology. It doesn't take very much of this type of additive to achieve great lubricity, uh, but the the end performance is a bit limited. So there's and there's there's not as much synergy between other chemicals with it. Did you just the say synergy is, on this show? Yeah, yeah, synergy. So Are different additives. Fly, Chris? Yep. Okay, Chris. Chris different additives will it. work together. I, I'm just giving you a hard time. We we love the word synergy here. Um, okay. Oh yeah. So let me let me rope some of this back in for the dumb dumbs like me out there. Uh, just because you have a ton of lubricity doesn't mean it's the best. Same as anything else, right? So like, it's not. We're not in like a drinking tequila kind of suggestion here. More is not always better. No, and and the quality of the chemical matters as well. So, you know, you could have a, a case of, of Natty Light and, or a, a bottle of Crown Royal, you know, they both say alcohol in the bottle. 
the quality and the quantity of the active chemistry, which would be the alcohol in them, is vastly different. And oftentimes, I'm sure as you guys see this on your side of the industry, what you get what you pay for. Truth. Yeah. And and now we also finally nailed an analogy that everybody who listens to our show can understand. Do you want yeah. gross dishwater beer or good whiskey? I like that. Yes. There you go. I like that. All right. Um, man, we have talked about a lot today, and, and I feel like this is one of those good, really highly technical contents uh, that that guys are going to love. There's probably a, a bunch of stuff that I haven't been able to ask or we're not going to be able to dive into today. If anybody wanted to reach out and post a message on our Fans of Diesel Performance podcast Facebook group, I didn't even write that name down, and I got, it, got it right it. today, Chris. You didn't even stumble. Um, yeah, so if you want to go there, that is where Clinton actually reached out to me. That is where you guys can, I think, also post some questions. Clinton, would you be willing to go on and answer some questions around this topic for people uh, in our, our public Facebook group? Yeah, yeah, I can definitely help out. It's um, it's it's all part of being the uh... – in this community of, uh, of, of diesel fans. I mean, you know, I don't know, I don't know a lick about, about tuning. I mean, <laughs> that's why, that's why I would reach out to you guys, uh, for any questions I have about tuning and, and remapping and stuff. That's not my, my area, but, uh, this is as far as chemicals and fuel quality go. Um, I, I'm more than happy to help out anybody. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Every once in a while, Chris, you know, we we have fans reach out yeah. and, and they want to be on the show. And sometimes I'll talk to them and be like, hey, what do you want to talk about? We find out, oh, it's, you know, I have this yeah. truck build that I want to dig into or, hey, I have a great personal story. And I love getting fans on the show. When we have fans who turn out to be experts, yeah. I always get super excited. You know, it's it's one of those ironic things because, you know, me, right, as a person, I get a lot of guys that call into the shop and like, hey, I listen to you on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Everything's super informative. You know, I listen to the podcast when I'm traveling or working, whatever, right? Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking like, well, I'm just an average person. I, I like doing what I do. It's, I'm very passionate about it. And uh, I don't realize sometimes how much information I retain just from working what I work, where I work, my profession. Yeah. When I can have a podcast, when I can be on a podcast and do an interview with someone and he can teach me something and I'm like drawn to that. I'm mind blown because now I know what our listeners deal with on a daily basis. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it, it is a lot of fun. Uh, and hey, guys, Clinton reached out to us through Fans of Diesel Performance Podcast Man, Facebook We group. preach it all the time, and there you go. So if, if you, if you want to be in a group on Facebook that has a lot of really smart people talking about diesel stuff, yeah. that's a great place to go. And he even and, offered and he would chime in. That's if right. If a listener is interested in asking more questions about additives and fuel in general. That's right. So if you have chemistry questions, uh, or if your kids have chemistry questions and you can't help them, boom, boom. Diesel Do not ask Paul or I. Is here to help. Do not ask Paul or I. Oh, Above our pay grade. Right. Well, yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you have suggestions, comments, feedback for us, uh, iTunes is a great place for it. You write anything you want. Just make sure that you label it with a five star. I only read the five star ones. So, wow. So if you want to contact me, the best place to do it is in iTunes. Only uh, in five podcast star. Podcast reviews. Rating. And I will read all of the five star ones. No problem. Wow. What a, that. that Slick, you know, you, you could tell, you know, you have that car salesman blood mentality. I, like I, I might have in a past sold life. a couple, right? One, we'll one time, one time. All right, couple guys, Chevy Volts. Thank you so much for listening today. <laughs> this has been Paul Wilson and Chris Emke. Smarter than yeah. me and listens to us is pretty much most of our listeners. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>